The killer bees. What about the murderous J's? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three J's. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the killer bees and murderous J's. It's kind of funny that uh, the big voice guy played the little Paul Gerlant going in Colin Coward. That was earlier this year. Coward. Coward's going in on Stroud again today, apparently. I'm looking at some Twitter stuff. Also said that Dwayne Haskins can't win a Super Bowl. Fact. Colin Coward might make the list. Yeah, probably not the way to go about it and probably didn't plan on doing it that way. And if he did, he's an idiot. I'll leave it there. <laughs> I mean, there was a graphic, so. Plan. Which means he's an idiot. There's a graphic that Dwayne Haskins is on it. Yeah. That's that's a bad one. Like, there's going to be an intern fired over that. Let me be the first there's right no now to about say R.I.P. Dwayne Haskins. If you didn't know, now you do. That's inappropriate. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a pretty pretty, it's in bad, pretty bad mistake. I don't I mean, I'd like to think that they let it slip through the cracks. Like, I mean, There's a I lot of cracks to be slipping through. To I don't be, know. I mean, someone's got to catch I can't, that, right? I can't, I can't say it's in bad taste. Because no one, they didn't put it on there because they knew he was dead. It's in bad taste because it made it that far to be on the air with your look. It, it's a bad look. Okay? I think it's a Instead bad of- look, definitely. But bad taste is like you know it and then you still do it. It's well, it's like it's like the intent thing. I think. It, okay, so semantically, I will I will say that it should have been it's a bad look instead of bad. It, it's in bad taste. Either way, it's just awful that it got that far without a couple of eyeballs on it that said, "Wait a minute, you guys realized no, we can't do this," and it got all the way to the level of where it made it on air in graphic form. But yet, also, it's in. I, I think from his standpoint, it's in bad taste. You can catch yourself. You shouldn't be able to talk about that. Yeah, look, I, the that that part's like bad. Obviously, it's really bad. It's bad. It's bad. Somebody screwed up there. But then he also like went on CJ. Here's the thing that I'm going to defend Coward for, like uh, John Crumpler, who covers the Texans. He said Colin Coward predicts that Houston CJ Stroud is most likely to fail amongst the 2020 first round quarterbacks. You know, four and a half minute clip, but he says, quote, CJ Stroud is just not talented enough to overcome the Houston Texans nonsense. And people are just ripping, ripping Colin Coward, saying that you're terrible. Brooks Cabina just quote tweeted it. The Texans are back in range of national hot takes. So there's that. Like people were ridiculing Colin Coward for saying that. How do we know that he's wrong? How do we know that Colin Coward's wrong? We've not seen C.J. Stroud play a single snap in an NFL football game. We don't know that he's going to be wrong. Is it a hot take? Absolutely. Is it a bad take? You can't decide now. No, it's it's like when we talk about the fact that the trade they made on draft day, you couldn't evaluate immediately. You ha- There has to be a set period of time that has to expire before you can look back on it and say, it was the right move to make, it was a bad trade to do, it, You know, and evaluate it correctly. You can't uh, uh, until all these guys get their fair share of snaps and starts and chances to succeed. You can't evaluate them at all. You can't evaluate them, but you can't close the book on them. Right. Well, but you can't. Yeah, I was. You are you're evaluating all of them. Yeah. But to fairly evaluate them, they have to have an adequate amount of starts and snaps and the ability to succeed or fail. But to already crap on uh, on C.J. Stroud, I think there's a little bit more, and this goes back to him and Sean Payton and all his ways of being able to kind of you know take his intel and otherwise and, and just not believe in the Texans organization. But I think if you look at the roster, if you follow the team at all, or you at least take the time to look at what they're starting to build, it's pretty hard to just already draw the, draw the conclusion that he's going to suck. Yeah, 
but what if he's right? Like you, you look at like last year, 2022 NFL draft, there wasn't a rookie quarterback taken in the first round. So let's throw that one out. But you go back to the 2021 first round, Trevor Lawrence went one. Cool, it worked. His second year didn't work his first year. The number two pick was Zach Wilson, who has since been benched. And the number three pick was Trey Lance, who has since never really played in the NFL. So, like, it's possible that Coward's well, right about possible. this. It absolutely is possible, and it, and it should draw the ire of Texans fans because you know that it seems like he's got a little bit of a hot button when it comes to crapping on the Texans. Yeah, it could possibly happen, sure. But I think that it's way too soon, and, and I'd like to know you know where he's basing all of this on, but it, to me it's way too soon to just immediately – to take a guy that at least can throw the football where it needs to be thrown, that has some accuracy, that looks like his calling card is correct in the fact that he can deliver the football, and he can also throw a decent long ball, and he can do some things as a quarterback, and he's athletic. I, I, I'd just like to know where he, how he drew that conclusion. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where he pulled. Probably just wants clicks and impressions, if we're being completely honest. And I don't. I think if he just told me that, then I totally get it. Definitely. Uh, they're saying he might go back to ESPN. Do you see those? I did not. Reports. Yeah, they're, think, they're thinking he might go back to ESPN. But in, it, but in what capacity, since they already hired McAfee and they already got... I would guess radio. Is Steve... And just Probably some the show. show somewhere. Like, I don't know. Essentially I have no do idea. what he's doing, but do it... Different network. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if it happens. Um, Ryan Presley didn't pitch the other day when we're usually seeing Ryan Presley. And it happened after he had an off day, too. Dusty was asked about it after the game, said he's like kind of tight, like a little bit of sore, nothing to be alarmed about, basically, but didn't pitch. Uh, are you concerned? Are you alarmed by this at all? Or is it something that you're monitoring that Ryan Presley, after a day off, didn't pitch in a game we would normally see Ryan Presley? Well, didn't they also in the post game talk about him? Was it injury or he needed more rest? Yeah, he said it was like sore and they wanted to give Soreness. him a day there you or go. whatever. Yeah, there you go. That would be the only thing that concerned me. Pitchers are going to have meltdowns. Things are going to happen. We've seen it happen as much as Presley more times than not has been really, really consistent, someone you really believe in in high leverage. He's had a couple of meltdowns during the course of the year. These things happen. The only thing that I was concerned about is when they said that he needed some more rest because he had soreness. Well, then tell me where the soreness is. Tell me what we're dealing with because that would concern me. You're past the trade deadline, and if your closer has some kind of a medical issue that might be a problem, or might rear its head again down the stretch. Now I'm extremely concerned. Yeah, Dusty's exact quote was that uh, Dusty Baker said Presley wasn't available because he was sore. He's healthy, he said. So he's healthy. He's just uh, just a little bit sore, the Ryan Presley guy. Timing's not great because of the fact that you're not running away with the division and you've got some big games coming up against the best team in the American League. And, and now after that, you're still trying to catch the Rangers. So there's a lot that says you need your closer healthy. Yeah, he's healthy, but soreness and not being able to pitch bothers me. We'll see how this series goes. The, if yeah. he's available for the for the Baltimore series and he pitches, then I'm going to be fine. It's one of those things where I'm not like worried about it, but I do want to see him pitch and then like see his effectiveness. And if he pitches tonight and he, you know, he mows down the Orioles in a safe situation in the ninth inning, I'm like, okay, yeah, nothing. Well, to be and concerned you know what about you and all. I watch about with him. We we need to we we check on his velocity, mm-hmm. and then we just. Kick, we, we check on his location, specifically with his breaking pitches, too. If he's locating the spinners and and his velocity hasn't fallen off, I'm not worried about Ryan Preston. It's also a decent way, like, if he's a little bit sore and there's nothing, like, actually, uh, like, up, like, he's just a little sore because he's an older guy, he had pitches the fourth. Like, you have a day off yesterday to go visit the White House. Like, it was a pretty decent time to do this. And then, secondly, you won the game. Like, you won the game that Ryan Preston would have been used in. 
So it kind of like it could potentially really work out. Like if Presley comes out and the rest of the way, he's extremely fresh and like the Ryan Presley that we know and love. Like it worked out for Dusty Baker because you didn't lose a game. You're able to buy him a day before, actually a few days before you have an off day for a critical part of the schedule. So it might actually work out for Dusty Baker. No, it, it might, but I think it's the luxury of having a bullpen that's as, as deep and talented as the back end of this bullpen is. As much as they've been taxed and overworked in some cases, you have a ton of talent there. The, the Abreu can step in for Presley is a good thing, but so is the Stanek can step in for, you know, Naris or Naris can step in for whoever. The fact that you haven't, and then again, if Kendall Graveman didn't look like he looked since he's become an Astro, but you still believe he can do what he can do, you have enough guys that have closed in the past, that have been in high leverage in the back end of the bullpen in the past, that it can be musical chairs for a day or two if a guy does need a break or some rest. What is your circle of dust right now? I think we like to play this game. Yeah, I, I think Abreu's performance the other day reinvigorated my belief that he is still, you know, one of the top three guys in the back of the bullpen. I, I, I same thing. I don't, I don't not believe in Ryan Presley because I've put him at number one in my circle of dust. So Presley and and Abreu for sure. To me, I always believe in Naris. I believe that Naris is a guy that been there, done that, and whether sometimes he does it with smoke mirrors and a Houdini wave of the wand or not he gets it done. And so those are where I start, those three guys. And then when you look at it, Graveman's teetering right now. And I think Dusty's trying to figure out who this iteration of, of Graveman on your roster is going to be. So I think that he's up in the air. I think that Montero's obviously way up in the air. I think the guy that's kind of on the fence is, is, is Stanek. I think Stanek has lost a lot of confidence along the way with how they've juggled him around and used him. So I, I, would, I would right now put Stanek on the outs, and I would say that, it's essentially the three guys in my circle of trust, my big circle of dust, are going to be Presley, Abreu, and Naris. And after that, it's all to be determined. Yeah, I think the fourth spot you argue about, right? Like Presley, I'm with you. Presley's in my top. Abreu's right after that. And then I have Naris after that. The fourth spot of the circle of dust is kind of up in, up in the air. I think he'd like it to be Graveman. I think, I think everybody that's wants why to they be Graveman. Are, yeah, but I, I think that what he's shown you so far is that you can't pull the trigger on that and say that he's the guy. I think first half of the season, you, you'd believe it was Maton. But second half of the season since the All-Star break, Maton's been a different pitcher, too. He was used a lot, and a lot of people, and maybe Dusty to some degree, is starting to lose a little faith in Maton. I think Maton is still... Actually, I think I think if, the, if Dusty was picking his circle of dust right now, Maton's last outing might affect this. But before his last outing, he had Maton ahead of Graveman. He did. He had Maton ahead of Graveman. Like, is that flipped now? now I don't know. Neither one's pitched Let's see, I was going to say, but now if Graveman in his last outing would have been better than he was, I think that that great he would have had the confidence to say Graveman's now above Mayton. But Graveman hasn't looked great since he's come back. So I think that right now it's who do you trust more of two guys that you can't have the utmost trust in? Is Montero still the last one Terrible. on this list? Yeah. Yeah. No. I think he I, I, since Ju- June twenty fifth, yeah. He gave three earned runs to the Dodgers. His era was seven seven six. It's now a five nine four. He's given up three earned runs in his last twelve appearances. All three are home runs. He's been Damn good. And there's a lot of too many performances in here. I know it's not all high leverage, but there's some in there. Who's I, he above? Is he above Stanek? He's above Stanek for me. I don't think he is. Is he above Maton? I'm not a Stanek guy. See, yeah, I don't either. think I don't think he's above Maton. From your point of view, is he ahead of Maton? No. Maton's been so bad lately. He has been so bad, he's but he's still Maton so me. bad lately. But, again, I, it's not just the susceptible to the home run 
Montero. I just don't have any confidence when he takes the hill. Whereas I think that I have more confidence in Maton, so that's why I'll lean Maton. I have I have zero confidence in either. If that's I'm being fair. completely yeah. honest, and, then, and, then, I, and then I, I think most I people also feel that way. Agree. I just right now. It's Montero. The 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 twelve games that Joe's talking about, Montero's got a two thirty ERA in those twelve games. Like Montero's in better form than Mayton. There's no doubt about that. Montero's in better form than Graveman, if we're being honest. And Montero's in better form than Stanek. I still don't trust <laughs> Rafael Montero a whole lot. After those three, I mean, you're throwing darts. Like after Presley or Bray Unaris, and because it's a seven man bullpen right now, because you have six starters, Mayton, Graveman, Montero, and Stanek are like, I mean, those are your low leverage guys. And just throw a dart each time. Like, who who knows? Uh, Mayton one day is going to be bad. Graveman hasn't been good since an Astro. Montero had a terrible start to the year. Stanek, like, he hasn't been nearly as good as he was last year. But if I had to choose one that I if, say, I got to go to a guy in that list right yeah. now to get. Three outs. I, I'm probably leaning Mayton. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm leaving Graveman. I'm leaning Graveman too over anybody. Else. I would oh, go yeah, I Graveman. I was thinking more Graveman and then Montero. So you, I would go Graveman. After that, I'm probably going Montero. Then I'm probably going Stanek and then Mayton. Prisoner of the moment. Mayton's been terrible. I'm lately. going Stanek so after Graveman. Okay, and then Montero, Maton, you're going Maton? I'm going Maton then, and then Montero. Oh, man, you don't like recent form at all. I just don't like Montero. <laughs> it's not even the contract. I just don't like his approach when he gets out there, and it scares me that he gives up a lot of contact. Yeah, it scares me that, that Maton can't throw strikes. Well, I, could, I get that too. That's fair. <laughs> 713-780-ESPN. What would your circle of dust be? 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Coming up next, NFL.com put together their list of the top 100 players in the NFL. Are we good with this list? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. I like this song. It's a good song choice you picked there. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Ocho says, I've said Graveman is just another Stanek, but he's another arm, so I guess that's a positive. No one's putting Stanek ahead of Graveman, right? No. Right? No. Right? I'm not. Are you? No, I'm not. I mean, I, I, I have standing glass. I, I, or I had Mayton last. Say this, I, had Mayton I am last. disappointed in what we've seen of Graveman. I mean, he's been two outings. Well, whatever I've seen of him hasn't made me feel confident that he should be getting more time in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. His first outing was kind of stupid. Like, he got the first two guys, and he gave up that weak single to right field, stolen base, weak single. Actually, he walked the guy. He got the first two guys, walked somebody, stolen base, weak single to right field, go ahead, run scores. Like, the first outing was stupid. His last outing, he gave up three base runners in an inning. That was not cool. Uh, but his first outing, he pitched an inning and a third. You know, he struck out two, gave up a stupid run. Like, I didn't think that outing was as bad as his line score. His last outing was not good. Um, but, yeah, it would be nice to see Graveman pitch a scoreless inning for the Astros, have a scoreless appearance for the first time this year. Like, I, I would like that for, for an Astro. He obviously had a ton of those with the White Sox. But he's still, he's still my number four. He's still my number four. Barely. Too. He's Mine barely too. still my number four. And then after that, five, six, seven. I'm I think probably going Montero, Stanek, Maton. Yeah, I think the reason why he's still my number four is because of the body of work all season. I mean, the fact that, you know, his ERA was in the threes, the fact that he got a lot of experience in Chicago in the back end of the bullpen, and he's been a closer in the past. I think his body of work this year looks a lot better compared to some of the, the bodies of work we're talking about with the guys in this discussion. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating conversation. But after that top three, it's just like, okay, there's there's those four. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, Brandon T. Do you think the Astros will still win the division with the remainder of their schedule compared to the remainder of the Rangers' schedule? Well, I mean, a lot. I'm really anxious to see how they how they match up and what how they you know get the job done or don't get the good job done against the Orioles. I think it's a good test for them right now. I think once you get done with this Baltimore series, I'm really interested to see how the Rangers play out the next couple of weeks of their schedule. It gets tougher for them, but the main thing is you're you're going to do it without Young at third base, and the fact that Seager has just been on a heater. I mean. Seeker, since he came back, has been unbelievable. And Simeon hasn't really stepped back all that much. But you now look at a lineup that's going to be without Young. Looks gonna, like it's going to be out with, without Jonah Heim maybe for the rest of the regular season. Um, I'm interested to see how they pick up the pieces and how they fill the gaps depth-wise and what they're able to do. Because they should be, you know, as much as I watched that game last night thinking the A's truly had a chance and they led me to believe it for about five and a half, six innings. I can't expect the A's to get it done for me. They gave away that game. They did. They should have won that game. But that's the single A's. They're the single A's. It was, it was on display yesterday. They should have won that game. That There's was... enough of this. The, the, the rest of the season still in front of us with the schedule, the way it, it looks like it's going to favor the Astros a little bit here coming up in a series or so. I believe the Astros are going to win the division. Yeah, I still think they're going to win the division, but I, I will agree that it's going to be tight. I think it will be a tight finish to the to the bitter end. Before we talk about this top 100 list for the NFL that they posted, we're not going to go over single, every single one of these players, just things that we have contention with. Uh, but let's give away something. Pantera will be back in Houston for their 2023 live Patrick tour. Creighton. He's going to be fired up. Who doesn't love Pantera? Me. Uh, but they'll... It's cool to do while we're doing a giveaway, Blankers. <laughs> well, there's more tickets let to me, be given away let me, I'm, not, I'm not trying to win them. Let me start over so they can get a nice air check. Pantera will be back in Houston for their 2023 live tour. Catch all of your favorite songs by the talented heavy metal band, the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion in the Woodlands on Thursday, August 17th. Caller 10 to 713-780-3776 wins a pair of tickets to see the show. You can also buy tickets at LiveNation.com. Caller 10, 713-780-3776. 776, lucky enough to get tickets to see Pantera at the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion. All right, NFL.com list blankers, their top 100. Tell me where, tell me where they go wrong here. Because, uh, look, we're not going to go through this whole list. That'd be silly. Uh, Pat Mahomes, number one. Any beef there? No. Absolutely no, 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 no beef there. No. Number two, they have Justin Jefferson. Non-quarterback at number two, Justin Jefferson. Questionable. Uh, it's hard for me to say no to a Justin Jefferson, though. Like Justin Jefferson's so good. Regular season, you still you get regular season Kirk Cousins, so that might that's a good thing for him. <laughs> um, support supporting cast and all those things matter. Line matters, but I, maybe a little high because of the fact that he's not touching the ball on every single play. Yeah, whereas the quarterback is, and there's a couple of quarterbacks you could see being ahead of him. I, I understand that point, but I'm not going to be mad at, J- at Justin Jefferson being the number two player in the NFL. And I think they're going like talent, like who are the best players, and they try to like get away from the positional bias. Number three, they have Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen Hurts your second best quarterback? No, he's not. He's close. Jalen Hurts not. at three is pretty high. Now, he probably would have won the MVP last year. He did not got hurt, true. so it's hard to be like too mad at Hurts being number three. That seems a little high. Yeah, I mean, I think that the main thing is you want to see him do it and sustain it because of the fact that and he's taken some big quantum leaps here. Um, and, and he, there's no doubt in my mind he was the MVP of the NFL last year if he doesn't get hurt. Um, but I think when you start talking about Burrow and Allen and guys that you know have been there and done it for a little longer too, 
There are other guys you could see being number two, number three. But I totally get in terms of what he did last year and the impact he had, not just running the football, but the fact that he proved he could throw the football. And even in the playoffs and, and in the Super Bowl, the dude made passes that a lot of people thought he was incapable of making. Now, if he continues to do that again this year, then I see next year as there's a chance you could put him in your, as number three. But for this year going into the season, I got to see more. That's why I wouldn't put him at three. Yeah, it's I'm probably not putting him at, uh, at number three either. Um, I don't think he's the second best quarterback in the NFL, and they have him as the second best quarterback, third overall player. Number four, they have Nick Bosa. All right, number four, Nick Bosa. I, I can't really argue that. I think Nick Bosa is fantastic. Really is, good. Is football he better player. than Aaron Donald? Probably right now, yeah, I would say. Okay. I think Aaron Donald a little bit, probably because of the team he's been on too. Like the fact that the Rams weren't good last year after winning the Super Bowl, it feels like his shine has starting to like dim a little bit. I, I would have Bosa ahead of Donald right now. I think that's where the discussion starts. If you're going to put Bosa that high, is he better than the best and most impactful defensive player of the last, say, five years? That's where you ask the question. And then to follow up on what you said, the only thing that I would push back on is supporting cast matters. Uh, you know, Bosa can do a lot of things because that whole defensive line has to be paid close attention to, and there's a lot of disruptive forces. I think the Rams ran out of ran out of uh, they they did everything they did to win a Super Bowl, and they started running out of options with money. They started getting rid of good football players, you know, letting guys go, and the fact that there were it was easier to double team and and prevent Aaron Donald from being disruptive because you could focus more on him. Then in years past, and I think that affected him too. Donald was 11, by the way. He didn't crack the okay. top 10. There were three defensive players ahead of him, including Bosa that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, five. I have no issue with that. Nope. Travis Kelsey's fantastic. Maybe he can be the greatest tight end ever. Uh, number six is Joe Burrow, ahead of Josh Allen. Could like, see him being higher. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have him ahead of, you know, Hurts, because if you think that he's a better quarterback. And I could also see him being below Allen, though. So it seems Both fair. Are the two guys. Seventh, Tyreek Hill. I'm okay with that. Yeah, his impact across the offensive side of the uh, of the football with as pass happy as the NFL is, but the fact that you know he can he can do what he does normally to be disruptive, but there's so many other ways he's disruptive that he can change a game. Yeah, he definitely is in, the, in there. Hey, Josh Allen, I'm good with where Josh Allen's at. Like, if he's gonna win a little bit in the playoffs and maybe stop turning the football over a ton, uh, nines Micah Parsons. He's dominant. Might be low. I think he's ready. To, I think he's ready to take another big step up. It, I think he could be the league's next Aaron Donald type player, disruptive wise. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I agree with you. He could be low right now, but I think next year he will be. If he's at nine, he's low. And then in ten, they have a uh, Chris Jones from the Chiefs. A little surprised he cracked the top ten. If I'm being I honest, too. I think there's better defensive players than, than totally Chris agree. Jones. I, I, I would have Aaron Donald in my top ten. Probably wouldn't have Chris Jones in my top ten. And I might tinker the order, especially a quarterback. But other than that. I think it's is there sound. any other defender that you would consider in that discussion along with Parsons and Donald <sighs> and Bosa and Jones? Probably not. Like, Fred Warner is really good. Does he get to the quarterback enough? Max Crosby, is he's in that upper echelon of defensive player. Mika Fitzpatrick is in the top 20. Miles Garrett's in the top 20, but he's, you know, maybe a little bit on the backside of his career, back nine of his career. I pro- Probably not for me. What about you? I, I mean, Fred Werner's the guy that came to my mind because he does so many things well. I mean, he, he's just all over the football field, and he covers, and he's athletic, but yet he can hit. Um, you're right, he doesn't get in the backfield maybe enough to p- appease some people, but he can change a game defensively, which is why I, I think that his rating could be higher yeah. is because his impact is felt throughout that defense all game long. I thought Sauce was a little bit low, to be honest. What he number was, was he? He was outside of the top 20. He was at 23. Maybe in another year. I think he's, Again, I you, think he's they top 20. See it. 
They want to see it for another year? Yeah, maybe. But they also make big years, like, adjustments. Like, Aaron Donald dropping out of the top ten is big one-year adjustment. Um, who was the the other player that we were talking about? Jones? I mean, yeah, I was talking about Bosa, but I guess oh. Bosa's been a little bit more. I think Jones, Bosa was I don't think year Jones, adjustment. no matter what he did a year ago, I don't think Jones should be in the top ten. Yeah, I don't either. So... I mean, sauce being outside the top 20, I think, is interesting. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. Where do you think NFL.com went wrong with their top 100 list? 713-780-3776. The Will of Bits. We'll see what the Will has in store for us. We'll see what uh, Joe George has in store for us. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, uh, I want to tell you about the good people uh, at Doc Linville's office. I, I think that Doc Linville is the best in the world at the neograph procedure, and, and I think that it's a procedure that you consi- should consider doing. Doc Linville is the guy that does it better than anybody else in the city of Houston, and I think you should consider it. And the other thing that should make it worth your while to consider it is the fact that right now, Doc Linville's taking care of ESPN 97.5 listeners. If you go to 975hair.com, you're going to get a free consultation with Doc Linville and his staff and find out everything about the neograph. And if you don't know what it is, it's really taking your own hair in areas you're never going to lose it. Genetically, you're never going to lose it in the sides and the back. And it's going to put it, he's going to put the hair where you need it most. It could be in the front in your hairline. could be back up on top. If you got a bald spot like a baboon's butt that keeps showing and rearing its ugly head on yours, and you don't think there's anything you can do about it but shave your head or use the sprays and the creams and the foam that just mask the problem. This is solving the problem once and for all. Because genetically, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back when they take that hair and put it elsewhere. It's still going to be with you for the long haul. It's going to grow, get stronger and longer. It's going to help you out. You're going to have more self-confidence and a better appearance on a daily basis. If you go to 975hair.com, you can set up a free consultation with Doc and his staff that normally costs 150 bucks. But because you listen to us, you get that as a bonus. You get to meet with them, no obligation to you, no cash out of pocket, and you can find out if the procedure's right for you too. It's been right for John Granado and me and so many others and we're here to tell you there's only one place to get it done, whether you're in Houston or otherwise. You go to Doc Linville. So get to 975hair.com. Sign up for an appointment. Get the answers. Sign up for the actual procedure. You'll be happy you did. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits. Kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. Or not. Here's Joel and Jeremy and Joe. <laughs> I, I heard the S-A-W-F-T. Or not. I heard that. Okay. So, soft or not? Are these guys soft or not? So, who is soft or not here, Joe George? Oh, we know the answer to this one. We know what we're talking about right now. That's what colors? We're talking about <laughs> the Baltimore Orioles. Oh. oh, the Angelos family? Oh, yeah. Kevin Brown? Oh, yeah. I know Kevin Brown. You do? Yeah. We, we've shared some. De- he uh, he does stuff for ESPN. So he's on. he calls a lot of American basketball games. Really, really good. Uh, Paul went to school with him, I think, at Syracuse. Actually, I know that they went to school together. I don't know yeah. if they were like classmates or whatever. I think Paul was saying on a show they were friends. Were they Bayheim bros? Oh, they're yeah. buddies? I think, he said, I think he said Kevin was the first person he met when he got to Syracuse. So they were Bayheim bros. Yeah. Well, Kev's not Up working right now. He should come on the show for a while. Maybe, um, maybe he can work a little wheelhouse. He's called Astros Baseball Playoffs. Oh, I'm sure he for has. ESPN. He's, he's getting he's, a promotion. He's pretty, he's pretty big on ESPN, is he? Really? ESPN has said that they are going to be using him more often. Now. I hope they use him for the Big 12 hoops because I, I love seeing uh, Kevin Brown out on the circuit. So he got I know him pretty well. He's good basketball. He got suspended. Really good. I know, him, I know him pretty good. So he got suspended. Yeah. So this is why. I sent him a DM saying, hey, I'm sorry that you're going through this. 
he didn't respond. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. All right. So Joe went to the hub for his audio track to play behind that. No, I that, understand came from, that came from them. the that TV producer, production people. Let's fire yeah. that producer yeah. first. It sounds, like that they, it sounds like they use better music than a lot of other regional sports networks. That's true. So he got, got suspended for that. that. I, look, I, I think Jeremy and I can both so understand like the trials and tribulations when you work with and for a team when you do broadcasting. I feel for this guy because he just, he said nothing wrong. And I've been through this before to where whether it's the president of the team, the general manager, sometimes the owner. But when they decide to like get involved, you can have a situation like this happen. He did nothing wrong. He was doing his job. He was relaying information. A lot of times it could be a producer or director putting stuff in front of you saying, this is what we're going to go with. But because you're out in front of the camera, you're going to be responsible for it too. But I don't think that that would have changed him in this, and it shouldn't. I think he had a job to do, and he was doing his job. And I think that you got a little hypersensitive, someone behind the scenes, someone in the organization. A little. That decided, look, I'm trying to be nice here because I've lived through this crap. And it's awful when you have to have an announcer pay the price for a way too sensitive someone. And I I don't know who it was. He didn't even give an opinion. He stated a fact. That, the, that he didn't even probably do the research on. No That's offense, what I'm saying. Kevin this Brown. came out of the truck. It was in the PR. Yeah, and they had it on the graphic, yep. too. It was, I mean, it was in the on the PR graphic. notes. That it was day. in the game notes. I, I've, I've listened to a lot of people talk about this because it seems like, you know, maybe the broadcasters have a little bit of a, an alliance here where you've seen everybody come out and say something negatively about Baltimore and their handling of the Kevin Brown situation. I listened to Michael Kay about it, too. He had a pretty good take. Um, look, I mean, obviously this is very soft. The answer to the question is yes, it is yes, soft. Yep, definitely. Capital S-A-W-F-T, soft. Uh, super, super soft for Baltimore. And Todd, the show, says this is going to be the bad karma that kills the Orioles. I could see it, and I hope for it. Uh, this is the same organization that ran off uh, John Miller and then who is the other guy? Gary Thorne. Gary Thorne. Who were all very, very good. Yep. Um, so, like, Yes, this is incredibly soft. It's cool that everybody's giving their you know opinion on it. The backlash with the Baltimore Orioles has been great because this is incredibly soft. It's incredibly silly. There are two things that I want to bring up when, when it comes to, to this. I wonder if there was something underlying before this that happened. Like they were it, looking it, for something? It feels like there had to be, right? Right, there has to be. Because that was so minor, like juvenile. Tri- like Again, there wasn't anything Let negative. Me- like It was almost positive, talking about their success this year and like having the opportunity to win a series for the first time in forever against a good organization. So like he said nothing negative See, at all about the Baltimore Orioles. So it feels to me like 
they were almost looking for something and that there was something maybe that happened before or some underlying can, tension uh, between both parties. First thing that came to my mind was they were they were looking for it because the, the one thing sitting in the chair that I sat in and sitting in both chairs, having done games, but also been in charge of every announcer and every whatever aired on the, on any of our broadcasts, I can tell you that one thing that came to my mind was he's doing too much national. He's doing too many other things. And, and someone in the organization, either the owner who's cheap, that's saying, are we really getting the bang from our buck uh, of paying this guy a full-time salary if he's doing things for ESPN, if he's doing things in other sports, mm. if, he's, if he's not all of our guy? Or there was something else somewhere that we haven't even uncovered yet. But I'm telling you, having dealt with these kind of things, too, that if you have someone that you're lucky, I think it's a privilege when one of your broadcasters does national. But I also realize that there's owners that feel like, again, from where they've come from. Yeah, like this couldn't be a, it in this situation, though, because he wasn't full-time until like the last year or two, and he had the ESPN stuff prior to that. But to an owner, it doesn't matter. Well, why would you hire a guy that's already well, has that, the that's ESPN a bigger, stuff? That's a better question. That's why I don't think it's in play in this particular instance. Certainly in play. But my in, thought, in, too, was there's something else here. I think that my guess is he probably has been snarky about some things and, like, they've been looking for something to suspend him yeah. for. That's my total like, uneducated guess. Like, having lived this between the team president and the general manager, at any given time when you work on a team broadcast, you could have your, your your you could get a text, you could get a tap on the shoulder, you in a commercial break, you could get blindsided with something that you had no idea was something that somebody felt like was off limits. And I've told some of the stories in the past from Daryl Morey to Les Alexander because of his whole animal rights thing. You could say something, or one of our guys could say something that we thought was completely harmless, that could be a huge catastrophe in the organization, worthy of discipline because the owner's beliefs outside of the sport itself. It could be league coming down, not in this case, but we had the league say, I, I one time said that LeBron could be a choke artist in, in big free throw situations, and I had the league coming down on me saying, I can't say that. But I said the numbers back it up, he misses free throws, but I'm not supposed to say that. It's a tough situation for him to be in. It's very unfair in my opinion. Maybe there's things I'm missing behind the scenes, but I, I, I feel like you, this was a targeted deal by the team in a lot of ways, but they were looking for something here. The second thing that I don't think people are talking about, one is that, you know, the, I think there is something underlying here. Like, if this was all it was, like, that's ridiculous. It's silly. The other thing is, like, all the support is nice. It's cool. Like, they're all coming to uh, Kevin Brown's defense. It's fantastic. It's awesome. Like, every single broadcaster in baseball is coming to the support of Kevin Brown, which is great to see. But only one person's opinion matters in all of this. Like, let's keep that in mind. Like, it's cool that the Yankees announcers are criticizing Baltimore. The Mets announcers are criticizing Baltimore. I'll be interested. Actually, I'm probably not going to watch AT&T tonight because I think it's on TBS with Brian Anderson. But I'd be interested if Todd Callis, like, comes to the support of Kevin Brown. Most baseball teams have. Most broadcasters have. But the only opinion that matters is the ownership of the Baltimore Orioles, the Angelos family. So you could get all this support. They're not going to care. Like, it's just a cog on the wheel. The show must go on. If the Angelos family doesn't like Kevin Brown, guess what's going to happen? Even with all the support, they're going to move on from Kevin Do Brown we know in the offseason. The Angelos family owns the Orioles, no, but, but I we don't know, know for sure decision. who made the suspension. I would imagine. Or called for it. Who else could it have been? General manager. Mike Elias doesn't strike me as a guy who cares what or they're saying. Or someone on the in the front office that heard it. I mean, like <sighs> I said. I've had these the Angelos family down. has been known to be super sensitive with their broadcasters. 
I believe it came from the Angelo okay. family. Okay, and, and that, that's my question as to who actually... We don't know that for sure. ...tried to lay this, who laid down the suspension and who really had a problem. Because I've had it come from different directions, and like I said, I've had the team president, I've had the team owner, I've had the general manager at times tell me we can't say that, tell me you've got to rectify this, tell me situations like that. So I'd be curious, but at the same time, he has too much ability and talent no matter what happens here, that he he's not going to land on his feet. He might even end up better off. Well, he's coming back this week. It, it still was unnecessary, and I, I they deserve every bit of the fact that this became viral and and got public because it shouldn't have happened. But it should send a message to a, a lot, and it's never going to happen. But it should send a message to the local broadcaster, the teams with their local broadcasts. We get it that you want to be very team friendly and very team positive. But this goes down to where when James Harden was getting used on defense over and over again by players that you weren't allowed to call out, in my opinion, in my experiences, they would say, you can't say that about James Harden. Well, they want you to overfluff whoever's killing him. But to, in their mind, you can't say anything bad about your players on your broadcast. And I think you're doing a disservice to your, your viewers and your listeners because they see it. They know what's going on here, and they feel like you think they're stupid when yeah. you try to tell them something that's black when it's actually white. Part of it, too, is like know who you work for and enjoy who you work for because my experience has been the exact opposite. I have never been told once on a U of H broadcast not to say certain things. Like, I'm not a jerk about it. Uh, I kind of know my role, but I've never been told to like hold back. I've never been told, hey, you can't say this. You can't do that. So that's the other part of this, too. Like It's part of what... Um, I'm blanking on his name. The uh, the Yankees radio broadcaster, the old guy, John with all the, Sterling. John Sterling. John Sterling's like, look, we, if 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 the Yankees ownership got onto us, like kept, they got onto Kevin Brown, we'd be fired every single day because that's what plays in New York versus what plays in Baltimore. So, like, part of like you have to know who you work for. Can sure you, you do. be? Do you have to be uber careful? Can you you know criticize a little bit? Like you know, be very well, familiar my, with who you honestly, work for and what they're going to do. My biggest issue is that I just I think it's cowardice the way they handled it because. Then why wasn't the PR staff suspended or fired? Exactly. Why wasn't the producer who made the graphic fired? That's that's why, why wasn't I the think... person who made like why weren't all those people? That's why you're. I think you're that's right. That's why I think that there was else. something underlying. Because, because I'll tell you this too. The other thing about this is the fact that organizations will come to the broadcasters to say we want you to go off on or call out certain things because they had underlying reasons why they were thinking about making a move with a coach or a player. And they use the broadcast as pawns, as positives for them, but then they don't like it when the broadcast is trying to do their job to be as honest as they can be in a lot of situations. Just, and, and if you don't have a guideline and a map in front of you, if you're not told or not told, but if you don't have an outline of what they expect of you or don't expect you to do, it's really hard on a daily basis to navigate whose feelings yeah. might this is get hurt. Crazy, I don't, I don't think like, they like them. I don't know how you navigate this because he literally stated facts. The Baltimore Orioles didn't win baseball games here very often. Yeah. Now they're hoping to change that. Like, there was no opinion. There was no intent. It was factual wins yeah. and loss records. And like, it was on the it. graphic, and it was yeah. in the game notes. So this other people crazy. also right. said the same exact thing. That's they, they, they have an agenda against them. They, they clearly do. They have an axe to grind. I, I think it's obvious. Because I think you're lucky in the fact that in all your experiences, especially as it relates to your current experience experiences, you haven't had to deal with this. Because I can tell you, honestly, it's one thing to say you're supposed to protect your team if you're working for the team, but I can tell you how awkward it is when I was critical of a player for another team 
And we went to break, and I got a tap on the shoulder, and I was told, you can't say that about him. You can't talk about him. His mom's listening. His agent's listening. And we're trying to get this guy down the road. Mm -hmm. Well, then you better give me a list of guys I can't talk about because otherwise – I think I'm doing my job. Rockets have been known to be super sensitive about no that, too. No question. 713-780-ESPN. Astros begin a series against one of the best teams in baseball. They're in Baltimore to take on the Orioles. Dusty's lineup is out. What's wrong with Dusty's lineup at Jeremy Branham? Did he deploy the death lineup? Is John Singleton in it? The answer is no. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Speaking of the Astros, Gentle Ben wants to send you to an Astros game because Gentle Ben is classy in every single thing that they do. They're not sending you to some Tuesday night game against some scrub team. They're sending you to a Friday night game against the New York Yankees. Astros ticket giveaway happening right now as Gentle Ben Spirits wants to treat you to a night out in Space City. Enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Friday, September 1st Astros home game against the Yankees. To enter, all you have to do is head over to their Facebook or Instagram uh, Instagram profile at Gentle Ben Spirits. Facebook, Instagram, both at Gentle Ben Spirits. Click on the pin giveaway post for instructions. You have six more days to enter. August 14th is the deadline to enter for your chance to win Astros tickets to take on the Yankees Friday, September 1st. Also, anytime you're at Minute Bay Park, you can find Gentle Ben Spirit serving up their specialty cocktails at Ben's Bar in Section 106, right when you walk in the Union Station entrance. Why is Gentle Ben so good? What's their secret? Unparalleled smoothness. They've mastered the art of eliminating impurities that cause harshness or that unpleasant burn in distilled spirits. Gentle Ben, you'll love what's not in it. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. It's Fromber Valdez on the mound at Camden Yards. It's one of my favorite ballparks in baseball. You been to Camden? I have not. It looks beautiful. I've been there. I would love to see I it I watched someday. Ripken play there late in his career. Like, we started a trip. I can't remember exactly, but it was when Ripken was moving between short and third. Like, we saw him play third, and then we saw him play short again. It was weird. But Cannon Yards is awesome. Uh, Astros taking on the Orioles, beginning of a three-game series tonight. Fromber Valdez, as the music indicates, is on the mound. 9-7 and seven record, 307 ERA. We'll see how he looks after tossing a no-hitter last week. Meanwhile, for the Baltimore Orioles, they will counter with Grayson Rodriguez. A rookie pitcher that they have high hopes for. He has not been great, actually from Nacogdoches, the oldest town in Texas. A 2-3 and three record with a 6.09 ERA. So, look, this daily you feel like you should win. You got Fromber on the mound going up against a rookie with an ERA north of 60. Better stuff Don't than his it. ERA Don't plays. Don't say it. Better stuff than his ERA says, though. He, yeah. he's, he's a talented pitcher. Let's not jinx it. That they're expecting a lot of at some point in his career. You know, the big thing for me is that this was Fromber that went over 100 pitches that really had to kind of push it to the limit to get to the no-hitter. I might be a, a bit concerned about him coming off exactly. that and going into this. Sometimes they throw like 130 after no right. hitters, and it's like, yeah, let's We've not use him that. again for I a mean, while. Some guys' careers were never the same, and other guys were affected either short or long term by the fact that they had to overextend to get the no hitter. In this case, you had one of the most efficient no hitters you've seen, and that's why I don't worry about Fromber because like, the other thing we know is Fromber looks for external motivation. He got it when they made the trade for JV, and he threw a no-hitter. But he looks for a national TV game and says he wants to throw a no-hitter, and it means more to him. Well, he knows this is the best record in the American League. 
He knows this is an opportunity to once again establish himself against a good lineup as, as a dominant pitcher. And he didn't overextend on the no-hitter. I expect to see a, a really good outing from Framber Valdez tonight. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that uh, he pitches well. He's going up against a really good lineup. That, that Orioles offense is legit. The fact They're that you good. have an all-star caliber center fielder of the past in the minor leagues because of where this team is going. Cedric Mullins in the minor leagues is crazy to me. Is he down because he's I, I would I hope thought it, he was making I, I a hope rehab it was an injury that I saw him make a hell of a catch in the minor leagues, and they were like, hey, this guy was... Yeah, he's rehabbing. Okay, good. Yeah, he's rehabbing. Because I'm like, the, the fact that we, we were talking about Cedric Mullins being such a key piece that the Astros might look at and one of their best players, and now he's playing in the, in the minors, I, I'm glad he's just rehabbing. But I saw him make a, make a hell of a catch the other night, and the ESPN guys were like, this guy, you know, is... is not be able to crack the lineup right now. Well, maybe that explains it. But I'm just saying, Rushman is where everybody would like to start and point Stud. fingers. But when you look at the rest of that lineup, too, this team ain't going anywhere. They're going to be around for a while. I asked Kevin Brown, as a matter of fact, before the start of the baseball season, to give me one Baltimore Oriole that I didn't be drafting on all my best ball teams. He told me Adley Rushman. And I said, Kevin Brown, because you're the voice of the Orioles and probably will be suspended someday, I want to heed your advice and draft a lot of Adley Hushman. Or <laughs> Adley, Adley Rushman. Rushman. So I drafted Oregon a lot kid. of Adley yeah. Rushman. I mean, look, you look at the fact that he, he's a switch hitter. I, I, I forget where, I think it was the national broadcast, the Sunday Night Baseball a couple weeks ago. They were looking to like poke holes in like where he might, breakdown I mean he's a catcher they're like well maybe the wear and tear but the fact that he's a switch hitter he's a catcher he's a stick but he's also really good behind the plate I mean that's the kind of guy you like building your franchise around and he's a good dude I, I think he's a great story I bet you they would like to use him a little bit more at DH probably in his career in fact he's DHing today he's their go. leadoff man in DH leading off against Fromber Valdez that's right he's leading off uh the Astros lineup is out Okay. There is a regular getting in the day off. Would you like to you guess? Love to play this game. I do. Um, I do like it. Boy, Altuve. No, Altuve's playing after Good. a day off at Good. the White House. Good. Um, I know who it should be, and it's not. So I'm not going to say that. Uh, are you considering? No, it can't be Maldi. Um, <laughs> man, I don't know Pena. No, Pena's playing. He's at short. Who is it? It's Chaz McCormick. Oh. Chaz McCormick's not playing tonight. Here's is Jordan the, playing uh, left? Uh, or Jordan is in left. Wow. Jordan's in left in a big ballpark. Cavernous. Which is probably why Chaz is getting the day off, because they want to use their better defensive center fielder next to Jordan. Uh, interesting, though, because Fromber's a ground ball guy. And look, we're in the opinion business, so I do have an opinion on this lineup. But the Astros lineup, Altuve at second, Bregman at third, Jordan in left, middle three, Tucker in right, Yiner again ahead of Abreu's or DH. Hey, look, if they're going to DH Abreu and, or Diaz and bat him in front of Abreu, then you need to play him at first base sometimes too. Yeah, then yeah, if they're, you ain't worried about hurting his feelings in the in the batting order, then don't hurt his worry about hurting his feelings. So Abreu sixth at first in the bottom three, Pena at short, Myers and center, Maldi at catcher. The only thing I would nitpick is I would have Chaz in this lineup against a righty. I can see that. I'm really happy that we're not dealing with Pena in the two-hole right now. And I like the potency of the top half of the lineup. All right, that does it for us. Thanks to Joe George doing all the hard work. He's blank on Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. The White House or whatever is left of it is up next. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.